0: Hello, and welcome once again to Making Digital, the show where we talk about engineering, design, product, and how they work together to make digital goodness. Man, Jeremy, I can't believe that I remember that intro after taking such a long summer break.
1: It's been a while since we recorded. It it feels weird to be back in front of the microphone.
0: Yes, Yes, it does. And technically, I think we've recorded some, but I haven't edited them yet, so we haven't released them. Sorry about that. That was an unintentional summer break, but it has has been a long, long summer. I am ready for the kids to be back in school.
1: Absolutely.
0: Speaking of long-suffering things, (laughs) I was wondering, Jeremy, have you ever felt like you have been in a job, maybe even a job that you like, or have liked in the past, but just felt, I don't know, stuck? Like you're in a
1: rut? I have a lot of stories. It's hard to choose one that really fits this specific situation. But I think I've got a good example. And that's when I took on a new job at one of our previous companies. And I was really excited because I had been working in a design role, and I had been working on helping to hire people in that role, and then we had a restructuring of the organizations, and there was a team that was outside of my team that was all of a sudden in charge of hiring for all of our design organization. And I went to the head of that team and I said, hey, in this new organization, how should I hire people? And his response was, why don't you help me come figure that out? And I got really excited. I got stoked about the idea of helping the organization figure out how to hire and onboard people. And so I interviewed for the job. I got the job. I started the job. And then the boss quit like three or four weeks after I started. Oh, man. And I didn't know what was going to happen. There's a whole bunch of different things that were going on left and right. But the entirety of my time on that team I was without a leader mm. and I didn't know where to go you know i I, I really love to feel like I have purpose in my job. I really love to feel like I am contributing and to get feedback so that I can grow in my career and without having a leader in that role i was I was lacking a lot of that I was I loved the open space to make the decisions that I wanted to. I got to build a design onboarding program for this company, which was really, really amazing. But I didn't ever know if I was doing a good job outside of my my own metrics. I didn't. I didn't have anybody there to advocate for me when I really needed things, mm. and I didn't have anybody to voice, "Hey, this work that that Jeremy is doing." Is good. I didn't have anybody to take that and communicate it to the rest of the organization because we were just left to our own devices in that that space. And I definitely felt stuck.
0: Wow. Yeah, that reminds me of my own experience, which was actually pretty close to, I think, when yours was happening, the same kind of reorg at the same company that we were doing. But up to that point, I had been. I just started my transition from an individual contributor to more of a leader, and I had been building a team in this one area, built it from, I think, just two or three members. We are up at nine, and I was still an individual contributor, but I had been unofficially leading this team for almost a year. And then the reorg happened. And all of a sudden I'm put inside of a new organization. And the first thing that this organization does is hire a leader for my team. My team that I built, that I hired, that I intentionally crafted it to be what I thought the space I was working in needed. And that, that just hit me like like a ton of bricks. And my my, my feeling was, okay, what has all this been for? Why, why does this organization feel like they can step into my team and just put a leader over them who I don't know? I don't have any idea what their qualifications are. They don't know the space that we're in. And all of a sudden they're just going to lead us. Like, why wasn't I involved in that decision? All these things, they're just, you know, rolling up inside of me definitely made me feel stuck because I didn't have any choice in the matter whatsoever.
1: Ouch. That's a tough one.
0: When Jeremy and I were talking about these stories, we decided it would be a good idea to share our experience at being stuck in a rut in our professional careers, but then also tools that we have used to help get out of those sticky situations. Is it a sticky situation if you're stuck or is it a stucky situation?
1: I think a sticky situation leads you to being stuck Okay, but I don't know if I would go with a stucky situation. Um, I don't know. I kind of like the you, term you, stucky. I, I it, it might be one that we have to use from now on. Maybe we can get some <laughs> shirts made.
0: There you go. There you go. So when we when we talked about this, the first thing that came to mind for both of us is when you are stuck and you feel like this is the stuckiest place for you to be in your in your career the first thing you want to do is take an honest assessment both of what the situation is and how you are feeling and how would how would you go about doing that jeremy
1: i'm a big list maker and so for me it's getting it out on paper Mm. writing it down focusing on the positives and negatives that's always a big help
0: yeah the pros and cons list is is always super helpful but man you've got to get it all out. You can't, you can't hold back. This is a list that's just for you. Mm -hmm. Think about all of the things that are making you mad. Think about all the reasons why you're in this position to begin with. You obviously had some affinity for this job at some point, or you wouldn't have taken it. So what is it? What are the positives here? And then what are the negatives? And what thing, what are the things that changed that caused all of this to be boiling around in your mind to begin with.
1: I want to really emphasize focusing on the positives mm. because it's very easy to just focus on the negatives. Sometimes when you're in that mindset and you're so frustrated, when you start digging, all you find is more dirt. Want to see the dirt you're frustrated and you want things that back up that frustration that, that validate your frustration. And That's not to say that your frustration isn't validated, but there's definitely probably some positive things, some redeeming things in there that you can look at to help you bridge that gap. Going back to that original story that I told at the beginning where I felt stuck and I didn't have a leader, I had a huge opportunity to create an onboarding program. And honestly, the lack of a leader probably gave me more flexibility in building that than I would have had if I had one there who had opinions on how to do it. So I got to build whatever I wanted. There were definitely some downsides to not having someone there to do it. But when I sat and assessed that situation, I knew I wanted to build the best onboarding program that I could given what I had. Sometimes focusing on those positives can bridge the gap from where you are then until when you find a solution to that problem without making you have to make a rash decision.
0: Yep. And that's really what you want to avoid in this type of situation is making a rash decision. Because those are the decisions that you usually come to regret in a professional setting. Probably in other settings too, but we're going to keep this strictly professional. <laughs> <laughs> so Another, many stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so many stories. Another thing that I think goes along with that is when you're focusing on the positives, you're acknowledging the negatives. Like we're not, we're not telling you to pretend like everything's fine, but when you're stuck, it usually means like you don't, you don't feel like you can just pick up and move to another company. Like that's, that may not solve your problem immediately. So when you feel stuck, think what is the next role that I want? And how can I take where I'm at and start working towards that next role? How might I even create the next role that I want? One of the biggest pieces of advice that I've been given by a manager, I was in a, I was in a point in my career where I didn't really know what was next. I knew that I liked being a designer, but I didn't know what is, what is the future of this thing. There weren't a whole lot of design leaders back then. So I didn't even have that framework to think, oh, one day I want to be a design leader. There were creative directors at agencies, but that didn't feel right. So I was talking to my manager about this. And this manager was an engineering manager, didn't have anything to do with creativity or design. And one of the great pieces of advice that she gave me was she had been around long enough to realize that Oftentimes the role that is ideally suited for you doesn't exist until you make it exist. Mm. So she challenged me to figure out what that role is and then make it happen. And that's what led me to start creating this team and to start choosing to be a design leader, even though nobody had given me the title. So that's my next piece of advice is think about what your next role, what you want it to be and start doing it don't let someone no. hold you back from it just because it's not in your title what is it that you like to talk about what have other people told you that you're good at and then what sort of what sort of leader do you want to work for analyze the work the leaders that you have worked for and start thinking in my next role this is the type of person that i want to learn from and to grow with and if they're not your leader now, find somebody in your organization who displays some of those qualities, and target them to start learning from them. Another story that goes along with this: one of my one of my designers recently, I challenged her to say, "What kind of leader do you want to work for in your next leader?" Because we were getting hired, ready to hire a a manager for her area, and I wanted her to start thinking through. What sort of qualities do you want in a manager? So we can find that type of manager for you. And in, in typical style, this this designer this designer came back with a very very um, well thought out list and put really good points to, to each one of uh, of her bullet points. And then I, I turned around and I challenged her and said, "Okay, when you're interviewing managers, make sure you hit those points because you want to work for people with these qualities. So find the." Find the person with those qualities.
1: I love it. And that whole idea of creating the role you want reminds me of the old um, adage, you know, dress for the job that you want. Mm. Wear the clothes of the job that you want, which now I feel like we're leaders and I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. So I don't know how well that works in today's tech and design society, but I, I'm I love that a idea. I'm wearing a collared shirt in case anybody's wondering. Yeah, he is. But I, I, I love the idea mm. Of not just dressing for the job that you want, but just starting to do the job that you want, and then and then taking it from there. On that note um, of fashion advice, I'm going to take us to our next point, which is creating a platform. This platform idea was something that Jared and I have talked a lot about, and and it's part of why we started this podcast. One day, Jared came to me and said, "Jeremy, I want to be a social media influencer," and I said, "Hold on." <laughs> let-
0: this is let's let's
1: dial that let's dial that back and let's let's i don't think we can give fashion advice i don't think we can give lifestyle advice but we can give design leadership advice and so it did it did happen exactly how i said it except
0: it was more jared wants to open an instagram account jeremy can you show me how (laughs)
1: there, there could be some like there could be some Some differences in how we think, remember the story. But but, but that was why we started this podcast is we both have had a lot of experience in this field and we've had good success in this field and we felt like we had something to share. And just having something to share and then building a platform for it, really, I think I, I can say, definitely speak for me, this is a highlight of my week, even on down weeks in my current job. Getting back to this point of sharing the things that I know could be helpful to others really helps me dial in and focus in on the idea that I do have something to offer and it can lift me out of a rut when I need it.
0: Yes. And the keys to creating your platform that we've found to be very helpful, there's three of them. One is engagement and that's your engagement. You have to put work into it. It's not just going to happen. So finding someone to help you along on the journey is useful. Unless you are incredibly self-motivated, which there's lots of folks who are, but Jeremy and I don't always fall into that category. (coughs) So we have learned to help motivate each other. Number two, we got the engagement portion down back in September of 2019. And man, we recorded our first episode. And then we didn't record another episode (laughs) for 18 months. So the second point that I want to make here is, Consistency, you will find that if you schedule time to work on your platform, whatever that is, and keep that time sacred and holy and set apart, and don't let anything else touch it, and force yourself to, on a consistent base- basis, do whatever you need to do, even just a little bit of work on your platform during that time, it will keep moving the train. Forward, but if you don't set that time apart, you're going to let eighteen months pass, and then you're going to give up on it.
1: And I just right? want to back that up and say we've since we started, since the second episode, mm-hmm. we reserved one hour of one day per week, and I think we've only moved it two or three times, which is, I think it's been about six months, some somewhere oh, in there, eight months. Um, yeah, so eight, eight months. So. We've only moved it 2 or 3 times, but we've that 1 hour of one day every week we either plan or record and sometimes we just record on the fly, but we make progress and that has been incredibly helpful to us putting this content out.
0: Yeah, we never record on the fly. I don't know what you're talking
1: about. At least once.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. The third point I want to make here is a focus on giving. Your platform will be most effective if you are giving back to people and sharing what you have learned or sharing whatever gifts you have, that we have found to be one of the best ways to develop a platform.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that idea. And, you know, the only reason that we're doing this is because we want to help the community. And we want to help people grow and, and we want to learn more and continue to be able to give. And it's been really awesome to get to do that. Another piece that you can do when you're down in a rut has nothing to do with your day-to-day job. It sounds weird, especially since we're talking about the rut, this professional rut with your job, but sometimes stepping out of that, especially for us as creative and and for cre- and for creative leaders who don't get to be creative, finding other creative outlets to focus on and giving yourself that time is like just something that's been invaluable. In digging out of these ruts and really trying to clear your headspace and and just get in a better place,
0: yep, definitely for me, some of the things that provide that outlet where I've been able to disconnect from this feeling of helplessness when'm when I'm in a professional rut. Woodworking has been that way, even though I'm awful at it. I'm really not good. Is,
1: is but, that why I didn't know that you did woodworking because I've n- I didn't this is this is new information for me.
0: Probably. Yeah, I I made some boats for my sons, like little wooden boats. Gardening is another one. I'm actually a really good gardener. I I must have created like 400 beautiful tomatoes in my garden this year. Wow. I have harvested two of them. The rest of them eaten by the possums. And then, lastly, photography. I really enjoy photography as a as a hobby. It's a really nice
1: creative outlet. He has a lot of tomato pictures. If you if you ever <laughs> want to go look them up, I have a uh, lot
0: of possum pictures of them stealing my tomatoes in the middle of the night, and I'm very very furious about it. But I'm not going to bring that up right now because that's a whole other topic.
1: Possum hunting is another skill, apparently, that Jared has. So, um, jumping to the things that I really look to illustration and photography. Uh, Illustration is something probably five or six years ago, I got back into actually being ADD. I really learned to draw when someone told me that you, for for people that that struggle with that, that drawing your notes can help you retain as you listen. And from high school on through college, my notes and notebooks would just be filled with doodles. But I never really turned that into illustration until like five or six years ago until I just found this incredible peace and calm in sitting down and drawing. And one of my favorite things to do pre-pandemic was to go to a restaurant or a bar, get a beer and sit there with my iPad and just draw something. And I could tune out everything else. And it was nice to get into a different space. And I could just draw i love drawing cars from movies i've got a delorean and hopper's bronco from stranger things and it's just something that kind of takes me out of my head and lets me zero in on something else and then photography is something that i had given up for a little bit i sold a camera five years ago i hadn't had a camera in a while i'm actually looking at my new camera right now i bought one a few weeks ago and i forgot how almost therapeutic Taking pictures and being behind the lens can be. I don't know what it is. I can't describe the thing that makes it that way, but I've gone on a couple of photo walks in downtown San Antonio with my 16 um, year old who's also picking up photography. And I've just walking around, seeing the city, taking these pictures was just such an amazing, like no stress night. It was pure creativity and discovery all at the same time. Things like that that can take you out of the stressful mindset and put you into a creative mindset can be amazing pressure relief valves when you're struggling.
0: Can I just say, I thought you were going in a totally different direction with that bar story. I'm glad oh. to hear that it you illustrate at the bar and not something else. So... <laughs> <laughs> finding creative outlets. That is our, that is our final piece of advice around how to handle when you are in a professional rut. The next topic we want to talk on is when it comes time and you have the opportunity to leave that position that you're in, that has you in a professional rut. How do you get out of that rut and into another position. I think this is a really important piece because when you've been stuck in what feels like a vacuum or a void for so long, it's easy to overreact and jump into another situation that will have you in just as bad a situation, if not worse. So our advice here is, again, assess the facts, make a pros and cons list, look at everything as devoid of emotion as you can just look at the facts secondly after you've looked at the facts listen to your gut what is your heart telling you to do where which direction do you feel pulled in that more often than not is the right direction to go but number 3 and this one is super important you have to decide if you're making this decision out of fear because if you're making the decision out of fear that could be a risk. Sometimes fear is a very good thing, and it, it takes you away from a situation you shouldn't be in. So I'm not saying don't make the decision out of fear. I'm saying be aware if you are making the decision out of fear. An example here. When I left my position at my last company, it was not necessarily the best situation that I was leaving, but I loved my team and I loved the company that I was at and I didn't really want to leave, but I had this other opportunity. And so I laid out all the facts and I, I determined, okay, there are huge advantages to staying and there are potential huge advantages to leaving. So I assessed the facts and then I listened to, my, listened to my gut and my gut was telling me to stay where I was at. But then I asked myself that third question, am I making this decision out of fear? And when I really thought about it, I was. I was deciding to stay because it felt safe and because it felt comfortable and because I knew what I didn't know and and I knew where all the landmines were. And I decided for myself that I didn't want to make that decision out of fear, which is what sent me over the edge to where I'm at now. And I'm extremely happy I made that decision. But I I had to look at all three of those situations to really make the decision correctly.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I, I just want to add that if you are in a place where you can stay, and even if it's a bad situation, not not an awful situation or a toxic situation that's mentally breaking you down, but if you are in a place that is just not where you want to be and you're in this rut, the best position to be in when you're looking for a new job is in a job. You are You have infinitely more opportunities to say yes or no to choosing a job when you don't have to take one, Mm -hmm. when you can stay in your role. It might not be the job that you want, but when you can go, you know what, that's not the right job for me. And you don't make that decision just based on wanting to escape because you've assessed it and you've really looked at what you really want. There's so much power in that compared to looking for a job when you don't have one. Definitely. So On that note, we have made this point before. We made it in our talk to the seniors at Cast uh, Tech when we gave the talk to them. It's really important to be careful how you leave a place. There's this gut instinct where we all think about that day where we just quit, walk out the door, have a Jerry Maguire moment. I don't know if people remember that movie. I just realized that could be a really old reference. I found out last night that my 16-year-old doesn't know who John Travolta is. Look up Jerry Maguire. There's a moment there. But you might have that moment where you just feel like, I've got to walk out. I've got to leave. This this is when I want to do it. And you you just do it and you burn all the bridges on the way out the door. That could be extremely restricting to you down the road. And you, and you don't want to have that. Your professional journey at a place does not end when you stop working there. I have so many relationships with people at previous companies that have led to other roles, that have led to other jobs. Some of the best jobs I've had came because of contacts I've made at previous companies through other working relationships. Keeping those relationships healthy, the ones that you can keep healthy, will pay dividends down the road. And and not only does it make you look and feel more professional, you never know what opportunities those relationships are going to bring you in the future.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. So there you have it, folks. That is our extensive knowledge and experience with how to deal with professional ruts. We all have them. We all have to deal with them at some point in our career, and we hope that this has been somewhat helpful to you. If it was helpful to you, we would absolutely love it if you could go onto your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating or review. Why not pause the podcast right now and go do it? It would mean the world to us. Uh, We are on Spotify and iTunes and all of the other ones that I can't even name. So if you found it helpful at all, we'd love for you to do that. Passing it off to you, Jeremy. We
1: are also on all of the social medias except our Twitter. I'm still working that out. I I don't think I actually found the twitter handle to match our others so we are on instagram we are on facebook and you can find us at making digital and you can find us on at making on facebook and instagram we would love for you to follow with follow us there engage with us us there and sh- share anything that you would love to share but until
0: next time i'm jared stevens
1: and i am jeremy carney
0: and together we are Making, digital.
1: Ma- making, making
0: um, digital.
1: Making digital. Making digital. <sighs> Sorry. Are you, are you- I've always wanted to do one of those Marvel-style hidden scenes at the end of a podcast. So... I'm gonna leave this message in there, and if you get to the end of the podcast, great, because you'll be more prepared for a future episode. But I'm gonna give you some homework and say if you haven't watched Ted Lasso yet, go watch Ted Lasso because it might be applicable to a future episode of this podcast. And that's what I've got.
0: Nice. Nice. What about Jerry McGuire? Is it Jerry Maguire or Toby Maguire? Or are they the same thing?
1: Toby McGuire was Spider Man.
0: Oh, I always get those confused.
1: Yeah, Jerry Maguire was not. Um, Jerry Maguire was not. Tom Cruise. He was not Spider Man. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: The views and ideas expressed on this podcast are our own and do not represent those of any previous, present, or future employers,
1: or spouses, or family.
0: Peace out. <laughs>